Traveling the Vortex We join the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 551 and there's just something to be said for the perpetual police box. At least we can always recognize it. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. How's it? We've we've been off for about three weeks, so we're all uh, all uh, um, coming to the uh, podcast with all kinds of stuff that we did in those three weeks, right? Right. I've done some stuff. You've done some stuff. I've done some stuff. Um, what you what you did? Oh well, I was going to ask you if uh, everybody had seen uh, the new Spider Man movie. I have not. Oh. Aww. Well, that's okay. Bum, we, bum, bum, bum. We, won't, <laughs> we won't spoil it, um, but I saw it, and I thought it was really, really good. I think it's probably better than the first one um, in, in ways. There are things about the first one that I liked better, but I like that this one just kind of jumps into it and just goes and it it never really stops occasionally it lets you come up for a breath but then it just goes right on with the action um i kind of like how this particular one without giving too much away is more of a spider gwen story at least she Mm -hmm. is our anchor character in this and so i kind of like how they've done that because now you can kind of look at things from a different perspective but you still get Miles's, you know, story in this. And it kind of sets Miles to the side so that you're kind of seeing it from a different point of view. And I kind of, I really like that. And I think the the relationship building in this one between those two characters is done really well. But um, yeah, really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought everybody did a, a great job. It um, was very unpredictable. I did not see a lot of things coming that that happened um there are a lot of really cool cameo things and easter eggs and i need to see it a dozen more times before i catch everything i'm sure <laughs> but um yeah i just i thoroughly enjoyed it what what he said um <laughs> it, it's it's amazing i it's, it's certainly on par with the first film i haven't quite decided yet which one i like better mm. Um, I think the first one has a little more humor to it that I appreciate because the the themes and the weight of everything that's going on in this one is much heavier because uh, you know, the stakes have gone up. It's not to say that it's not funny because it is, um, but I, I, there's a part of me that wants to say, well, I like the kind of lighter touch of the other one better, but then, man, the, the, the story in this was just so good. So they're kind of jockeying for position. So it's at least as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it again, not without spoiling anything, but it, it opens with kind of a very similar narrative structure to the first one, but with Gwen kind of taking you through, uh, you know, her origin story, and it's so detailed and so involved and so well done. And uh, there's so much of it. I mean, it mm-hmm. felt like it was probably half hour or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, of that and then the title card comes up and my brain literally had to go yeah oh yeah there's like a whole movie still one of the (laughs) longest pre-credits scene i've ever seen in my life wow but but it was it was i mean it was it was amazing like if the end credits had rolled at that point i'd have been completely satisfied walking out of the theater (laughs) that's how good it was (laughs) but i i did i had to stop and go oh yeah there's a whole movie here still (laughs) so it's uh, it's really good. Now you've done your uh, flicks with friends review for it, right? I have recorded it. I have not yet oh. posted. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> plug your uh, flicks with friends, but I suppose um, watch for that on uh, flicks with friends. Um, I did have a little more in depth uh, review in my uh, blog, uh, trapped in the vortex, which I got started again a few weeks ago. So, woohoo! Nice. Keith, did you do anything exciting? Oh, I did watch a movie, a different superhero this time, um, Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Mm, what did you think? I enjoyed it. I, th- I think I I liked it maybe a little more than the first film, just in 
the dichotomy between Shazam and the villain wasn't as drastic. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. the just the tone of his character going up against the seven deadly sins and all of that from the first film just seems so starkly different that I didn't enjoy that aspect of it more. The villains this time didn't feel so far off to the other end of the spectrum. It felt like it brought both of them closer to the middle. And I, I appreciated that aspect of it. And I, I thought it was pretty fun. Not a bad little superhero film. Nothing amazing, but yeah. it also was just a nice, refreshing romp, really, more than anything. It was a bit, a bit overshadowed with the uh, <laughs> shuffling that's happening over there at DC. but Yeah, yeah, and because, you know, I like Zach Levi, and I, I like him as Shazam. I've seen some complaints that, you know, between the kid version and the... Uh, adult version of the character don't act like they're the same person and I can see that but mm-hmm. there's so little of the the kid version that you don't really think about that unless you really stop to think about the movie too much what else I also read a book hmm. Doctor Who Players oh I did oh. too <laughs> <laughs> well see here's the thing when you get an extra week, because we were supposed to take two weeks off, but somebody was so busy that they couldn't get this one done that we're reviewing this time. So I thought, well, why not? <laughs> well, why don't I'm we... I'm now what... uh, two-thirds of the way through Endgame also. Oh, okay. Um, why don't we wait on players? Because I think you and I might be able to relate a little bit to World Game. So Okay. Um, I also read a book, not a Doctor Who book. Um, I read Another Fine Myth by Robert Aspen, Aspirin. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. It's a myth series, and apparently there's about a dozen or so books out there. And he died, I think, in 19, early 90s, I think. And his one of these co-writers that joined him later uh, kind of took over and, and has taken the series on even further out. But the fir- this is the first book, and this has been around from the, since the 1970s. I think it came out in 78. Um, and a friend of mine was huge into these series when I was in high school and he wanted me to read them so bad and he practically begged me to read them and I just never did. I never got around to it. And so I stumbled across a a, uh, copy in a used bookstore and I thought, okay, well now's the time. It is so good. It's so funny. Um, It's not really high fantasy. It's kind of, um, it's kind of, it really kind of feels like that same kind of fantasy that we saw in the new Dungeons and Dragons movie where it's, you know, it's, it's dragons and things like this, but it's more kind of that grounded modern humor, um, which makes the characters a lot more relatable, I think. And so, uh, I wouldn't say this book's got a lot of humor in it, a lot of humor in it. It's not, it's maybe in the vein of kind of a Douglas Adams, uh, book but not quite Adamsy. so kind of in that realm of um anachronistic anachronistic humor um throughout the book which makes it a lot more you know which is what makes it good it makes it a lot of fun but the main character one of the main characters oz is a demon who in my mind he had like a brooklyn accent and just did some of the things that he he, he relayed <laughs> just came across that way off the page so but it's really good it's a lot of fun um, I have actually picked up and started the next one, which is um, oh, the name of the books now. Myth Conceptions, I think it is. All of them have a play on the word myth. So Nice. Um, but, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. If you are interested, um, Mel is a huge fan of that series. Oh, is that right? And owns, I don't know, eight or nine of them. So I, I have them here at the house. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> well, now I know where I can, my source is. <laughs> we, we can hook you up. I haven't well, read them myself yet, but she, when, when we first got together, she was like, you got to read these sometime. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And, you know, so now they're, they got added to the pile. <laughs> well, I had picked it up, uh, the first book, when I took Caitlin over to Kansas City to the airport because she went to D.C. with her choir um, two weeks ago, I think it was. And that's when I'd found the book. And so when I went back to pick her up, <laughs> I was already about 
two thirds of the way through the book and knew that I had seen the second one there. So I specifically went back and got the second one. So, and I saw that they had a bunch of them as well. I don't know beyond the second book in what order they have them, but I do plan to pick more of the books up. So for myself, this is, I don't reread books very often, but occasionally I'll have one that I really fall in love with and I'll end up rereading it. And I think I really kind of feel like this will be a series that I would probably go back and reread someday too. Very cool. Anything John, else? did you get anything else done? Uh, we went and saw Little Mermaid. I don't think I told you mm, guys that. No. Um, it's good. Sarah, Sarah and Gemma went. What did they think? They didn't make it all the way through. Gemma got bored. <laughs> didn't make it all the way through. They got to land and Gemma got bored. Um, it's it, it's good. It it you know. I have said before that I think the Disney live-action remakes suffer from two different types of, of issue. Either A, it's a shot-for-shot shot remake of the animated film, in which case I say, why bother? Or B, it's a vastly different version of you know events. They've completely jettisoned all the stuff that we loved from the animated movie, in which case I say, why bother? Um <laughs> Why not, why not go tell your own story? And I understand the hypocrisy of that. I, 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 I very much get that I'm that impossible to please person because I complain about both ends of it. Mm-hmm. And this one is, honestly, it kind of straddles the line. It's got a foot in both worlds. It's very, very beat for beat, the animated film. But they do do some things differently. They do take a couple of risks with stuff. And, uh, and and change it up. And it's got some some beautiful singing, some fantastic acting, particularly Melissa McCarthy, who just is absurdly excellent mm. as as Ursula. Um, and she's really channeling Pat Carroll. It was that impressive. Um, I think probably the my only real complaint about it is the color palette. It's a little drab. I, w- I was really looking forward to seeing the, the splendor and the beauty of, uh, you know, the beneath the sea. And um, we, we didn't get that. And I thought, well, maybe they're going to save it for the land stuff so that, you know, we see the, the, the boring and the humdrum and the mundane through Ariel's eyes. And even it was kind of bland and washed out. I was like, oh. So I think they missed a trick there because I, um, I think they would have been a good opportunity to either way to uh, enhance and and beautify it a little bit. But other than that, it's probably, you know, it's not the best live action version of a movie ever that Disney's done, but it's up there. I don't know if it was, I heard visually that it was very dark. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that like plays into it. What's the, it was just kind of just a little drab. Yeah. It's interesting that you, the one actor that you focused on was Melissa McCarthy with all most of the reviews. That's everybody's least favorite performance. So I'm real. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting that you came to hmm. it. With I hadn't heard that. I thought, I thought she was fantastic. Hmm. I don't remember which Tuesday night it was, but we saw you getting refreshments at the concession stand before you went into one film because we were uh, over playing friends trivia Oh, nice. <laughs> My youngest is obsessed and has gone through the entire series probably on the, their third time through now. Oh, wow. And <laughs> so we went to this thing, and thanks to um, him, we took it home. So <laughs> we won the whole thing. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that was something Congrats. else we did. A lot of fun. I'd say it would have had to have been, uh, we were either there for... Uh... For Little Mermaid or Fast X? I was going to say, Fast X was out that week, like the pre- the previous weekend. And I only saw you and Mel. I didn't see Shy, so I wondered if maybe that's what you were seeing. No, we had Shy with us Oh, for did Little you? Mermaid, well, maybe so... I just didn't see her. Yeah, I don't know. We, 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 we get over there occasionally if the stars align on a Tuesday. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, congratulations to your, your trivia win. Mm, thank you. Yeah, we, we've got a uh, gift card to see a film now, so <laughs> probably use it on That's a Tuesday cool. so that we can afford for all of us to go. <laughs> so I think it's only a $25 gift card, but 
Mm-hmm. Every little bit helps. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 13, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. Anything else for move on news? Well, I listened to a big finish story, and that will be my something new two-minute review. I listened to The Lost Stories, Doctor Who, The Art. So this is a big finish production where they found, or some some archaeologists found the original script to the Ark in space. And they adapted it and turned it into an audio adventure. And it is really good. It's very, very different from the Ark in Space. The premise is the same. You know, the Doctor, Harry, and Sarah Jane show up on the Ark. And things have kind of started to go awry. And they start helping people thaw out. And there's an alien menace that is on board. But the alien menace is vastly different. And it leads on a different path all the way through. Um, it's got Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane Smith, who I think does a little better of a job this time than the last story we had listened to her on. And Christopher Naylor as Harry Sullivan was spot on. It sounded exactly like Harry the entire time. Um, the story is, is interesting. It's an interesting what if the doctor is written very differently from the fourth doctor we're used to hearing in this he's a little it's almost written with a it feels first doctor feel to it because he he's a lot more thoughtful he's a lot more thinking things through seven steps ahead of everybody else of what's going on um which at times plays to the fourth doctor's strengths of being aloof but it feels like there's obviously he knows kind of more than what he lets on and it's got some it's got some great action it's it's a really fun way to explore what really could have been with this story and that is my something new two minute review excellent i'm looking forward to listening to those um i seen they were coming out now and there's another one the adolix one that i think looks like a lot of fun too so you just got to Keep in mind as you listen that it's the alternate universe right. version of events. Right. <laughs> Although, other than, you know, they could have taken this story and plopped a different Doctor and Companions in it, and it probably would have stood up okay. Because mm. this is, you know, the Ark in Space was the at least the second Ark story we've had. Yeah. So it could have easily worked as its own original Big Finish story, yeah. not being a lost story. <laughs> This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersberg and your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Well, let's move on to news then. Our first bit of news, we got a classic companion coming back in the, in the next season. Bonnie Langford will be reprising her role as Melanie Bush. Yay. It's it's interesting. the 15th Doctor. It's one of the um, companions that's never been at the top of my list of companions. But somehow I'm very excited now <laughs> that uh, <laughs> to have her back because I almost kind of want to see where this character <clears throat> picks back up, you know, afterwards. Because there's a lot we've we've gotten a lot of Mel in Big Finish, but that Mel, at least what we've listened to, was just continued travels with the sixth and seventh Doctor, and so the character doesn't necessarily grow all that much or change all that much over that time 
Um, I think we've, I think we've all said that we like Mel in the audios a lot better because they do do a lot more with the character. They do mm-hmm. try to expand the character. But I'd like to see after so many years without the Doctor. Well, number one, I want to know how the heck she got back because we we talked about this for Power of the Doctor, but how the heck she got back to Earth present day. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe she can fill us in on um, you know her adventures with. Um, uh, um, Sabalong Sabalong Glitz. Yeah. Um, So maybe they found some sort of time travel ring and got her back. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Um, But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see Bonnie Langford return. I agree. Pretty much word for word. I agree. Pretty much word for word. All right. Well, let's move on to our next bit. (laughs) Uh, They have also announced a casting for a mysterious duchess role and that is Indiria Varma. I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly. I think but that's right. Yeah. Varma. It's Susie. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I wonder if there'll be any reference to that. I have a hard time believing there will be. I doubt they will either. Um, but I mean, they've done that with Gwen and they've done that with, um, yeah. Somebody Martha. else. Martha. Yeah. Where they talk about the, uh, um, similarities in their well past characters that they've played as far as relations to them but yeah no and the actress has grown and changed so much since then yeah that i i it took me a little i wasn't until i saw it in an article i was like oh yeah it is susie (laughs) isn't it (laughs) that seems like so long ago she's done so much more since then yeah excited to see what they do with her as well we don't know a lot about what her part entails other than she's playing a duchess. So another one um, coming up, this next bit of news was kind of an interesting one, but now that I've kind of let it set it in, I see why they, they're doing it. The evil of the Daleks is going to be novelized by Fraser Hines, an inventive new retelling of this classic story coming out as a novel. I think that's what intrigued me was when, when I first saw it, I think, is it, uh, John Peel, Jonathan Peel did the um, first the, the first novelization of this for the Target novelizations, and I thought, well, what what was wrong with his? <laughs> uh, why, did, why would they? But I, I since they're framing it in a uh, retelling of the story, I think maybe this will take more of a Jamie perspective, which I think is kind of a unique take. In order to, you know, I, you know, I, it's it really kind of feels like a cash grab. You know, we're going to release something that's already been released twice, once in film and once in print. And now we're going to do print again. But I kind of like this idea of taking it from the perspective of a companion that experienced it and seeing if you can kind of make it different enough and unique to make it a compelling story. So I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Well, and the way they're framing it, it, if I remember correctly, there was, because it talks about in the press release that after defending a space station from the Cyberman incursion, the Doctor and Jamie, you know, take Zoe wished on them or with them and giving her a warning, the Doctor places the TARDIS out of time and space and uses the mind projector to give adventures. And I think I remember that actually happening on television too. So it's like they're taking that perspective and adding jamie's story to it yes which i think is a clever way to go about doing it and and so nobody's confused this is a victoria story but the the premise is is that they're showing zoe this past adventure with that mind visualizer so speaking of Hmm. which that's gonna come to play in players as well (laughs) (laughs) what do you think sean you're awful quiet on this one um Initially, I, I was very much of the cash grab opinion, but hearing a little more about it, uh, okay, well, that, could, that could be an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Well, and especially considering if it's from Jamie's perspective, and what Jamie goes through in the Evil of the Daleks, you know, questioning the Doctor as much as he does, yes. it'll be if they play that aspect up, it'll make it a very interesting story. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. And our last bit of news. 
I'll let you take this one, Glenn. Yeah, so this is the, uh, we finally got the details on Doomsday, the uh, multimedia event that they're going to do an hour-by-hour timeline breakdown of the character who has, um, she's she's got 24 hours to save her life. She's got to find the doctor. Um, so they went ahead and released some details on this, and it looks like uh, we're going to get, uh, hour one will be a digital release. Hour two is going to be, uh, I'm sorry, two through five are going to be a 16-page uh, comic on in Doctor Who magazine coming out later this month, just actually next week. Um, and then hours six through seven um, is the Titan, um, part one of the Titan comic uh, uh, involvement. And then for hours eight through nine is a Doctor in the House. And that's part two. So yeah, eight and nine are, are part two of that series. So those are back-to-back. For hour 10, it's AI and the Doctor. Um, that'll be the Lost in Time, East in Games um, that uh, Keith reviewed a few weeks back. Um, that's the video game that you can play on mobile, passive video game. Hours 11 through 14 is Extraction Point, and that'll be our novel from Penguin Random House and M.G. Harris. And then hour 15 is Wrong Place, Wrong Time. That's the second part of the Doctor Who Lost in Time. There's a split up. I knew one of these... Uh, Mm-hmm. entities was split our 16 and uh, through 19 is for from doomsday and that is the <laughs> uh bbc audio um uh, that's being released and then hours 20 to 23 dawn of the everlasting will be the big finished production um uh offering uh from those guys and then it will wrap a back back around for the 24th hour i believe will be um, back to digital and they'll, they're going to close it out I think on the website probably like they have done now the first one is already available on the Doctor Who website DoctorWho.tv um, so you can go there and read that short story and I think if I remember right who wrote that uh, I had that in my head I think it's um, what's his name that did the James Goss that did the um, mm-hmm. uh what was the last crossover event they did? Time Lord Victorious. Oh, Time Lord Victorious. I could, could not think of what that was. I think it's I think it's uh, Voss. Yeah, or James Goss. Yeah, he he wrote hour one of this, so that's interesting. That I wonder how much of a hand he's got in this this uh, crossover event as well. Hmm. It may be worth mentioning now that um, if it sounds like Doomsday is going to be a uh, a fairly big chunk of things to review. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. and we will be <laughs> adjusting the uh, upcoming uh, schedule accordingly to uh, incorporate more of it. And we will be putting um, our time war discussions on hold, at least temporarily, as we have mucho content for the uh, 60th anniversary and a lot of uh, Season 6B stuff to do as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll get more into that later when we do the schedule, but just give everybody a heads up on that. Absolutely. You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. This week's review is Doctor Who World Game, the past Doctor adventure book featuring the second Doctor. By Taryn Sticks. The Doctor has been captured and put on trial by his own people, accused of their greatest crime, interfering in the, with the affairs of other peoples and planets. He is sentenced to exile on Earth. That much is history. But now the truth can be told. The Doctor does not go straight into exile. First, the Time Lords have a task for him. From the trenches of the Great War to the terrors of the French Revolution, the Doctor finds himself on a mission he does not want, with a companion he does not like. 
his life threatened at every turn. Will the doctor survive his sentence, or will this adventure prove to be his Waterloo? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I liked it. It's not without its problems, but I liked it. Sean, what don't you like about it? Um, <laughs> putting you on the spot because you didn't, you didn't, jump, you didn't jump in with a dun dun dun. So dun I always dun. think, uh oh, what did Sean think? It, it um, you you've not experienced Uncle Terrence until you've read him in the original Klingon. <laughs> I, I think is, uh, um, no, it just it it, it seemed for a quote-unquote historical um it seemed very full of ideas possibly too many um we're, we're, we're going along and we're getting you know elements of the story and elements of history and elements of this plot and then a vampire will show up and, <laughs> and yes it's explained later but at the same time it was just kind of like what um or okay well there's this going to be you know there there are all these plots to to assassinate people we've got uh, exploding carriages and we've got you know just, uh, this that and the other and then a raston robot shows up and it's like what <laughs> <laughs> it just it just it, it, it was like Terrence Dick's greatest hits in some ways. It's like, yeah, I'm going to throw that in there too. It's like, ah, oh, man, we're, we're really got a lot going on here. Are you sure you want to? Yeah, you're going to do that. Okay. Um, so it, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. It it just seemed at times a little too full. See, I, I'm going to counter that because I thought that it was. I that's what I liked about this book is that I felt like Terrence. Dix, he doesn't dwell on anything for very long. And so we get something that happens, it gets resolved, and we move on. And so I felt like it's paced really well because a lot of writers will get very bogged down in getting very detailed in the action and dragging the action of different scenes out for like two or three you know chapters. Whereas Dix, he kind of gets to it he does his thing and then he, we move on. And I think there's a lot of that. And I think that there's a lot of that. Yeah. I think that's probably why you think it feels maybe too overstuffed because there's a lot, but I think that's what I like because I'm, you're never bored. You're never, you never feel like, okay, let's, can we get on from this part? Because there's a lot of times that that happens in, in stories and it even particularly past doctor adventure stories that I've read where you kind of feel like you, you get a little bogged down in the minutiae about what's going on. And with Terrence, it's very much just a, nope, this is what happened and this is what's resolved. And I actually, I, I, I thought the same thing, Sean, about the, okay, Terrence Dick's greatest hits, um, because he is responsible for uh, the rest on Will Your Robot. And he also, he wrote State of Decay as well, right? So, I mean, it, it really is a him going back to the well uh, his own well a couple of times and i think the only thing that i was disappointed about with that is we've got these mysterious i'm going to use the word players because we've got a little more insight with them now because of the other book but we, we've got these players that are basically just playing a game and the doctor says that there must be some time lord connection or intervention or something because they're getting these you know time lord uh elements from somewhere and i don't really think they explain later the connection to that and i think that's where those two things kind of fall down because i don't remember them ever resolving why they had the access to them and well, I they, they, they resolve them, but they don't explore it. At right. All that's, and that, that's what problem. I mean is they don't yeah. really explore it. Yeah. So, uh, and I wanted a little more of that. And maybe, maybe Terrence was setting, was leaving that open to explore in a further book because I, I really felt like, uh, and I don't want to get too much into the, the details of players, but I think players kind of does that too. You could tell he was setting up more 
to this world than than um, what you get in either of these books. So, but I, I, that's what I liked about it was the fact that I don't think they dwelled too long in the action. I think um, Terrence Dix is a fan of history. I think for historical, there are a lot of interesting accuracies in this. I think there are some things that he takes some liberties with in the story, but I think for the most part, um, the the characters in the book um, are even more realistic because the things that happen are based on or near similar to events that happened in history. And you actually, from this one, get what I think the core of the show started as with the historicals. We were going to teach you something about history. And I came away from this book going, you know what? I learned a little about history. And then I, I you know, it, it intrigued me enough to go look into uh, more of Napoleon's time and, and those, you know, surrounding him and his um, dictatorship. And so it worked on that level as well, where it got me very interested in uh, the Napoleon story. Yeah, I think that's what it does best is having the players and the history interweave with each other. Um, using the players and them trying to manipulate the past in order to win their game um, is a very clever way to explain the situation, especially to the new companion and therefore the, the reader, what's supposed to be going on as opposed to what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. So you get both the alternate history and the actual history lesson at the same time, which I think is really clever. And then you get to get a cool sequence where you travel to the future and see what happens when these players win and how things could go wrong if one one person dies. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff in this that I really appreciated and thought was really, really clever. Um, I would agree that the... The vampire and the Rastin warrior robot just come come out of nowhere and don't really well get resolved very well. I mean, they get resolved of who is behind it, but we don't know why or, or how they were involved with it. Um, and I think overall, he has the tone of the second Doctor down for the most part, and I think it's it's a I think it's a great installment of season 6b i really i really liked it i knew you'd appreciate the uh the, the alt history stuff yeah well and just i don't know much about napoleon or what was going on so you know on the heels of reign of terror which was had nice references to getting kind of a, a crash course in what's going on in france at the time was a nice way to you know bring me up to speed and make me not feel dumb while reading the book mm -hmm. <laughs> i think the biggest problem with the napoleonic war stuff was that there, there was not one water slide at <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly been established uh in in, in history so i wasn't sure about that so now as it relates to season 6b <laughs> It here's what I'm finding with these at least these takeoff stories that we've we've and I call them takeoff stories because these are the stories that are supposed to lead us into season six B. Um, it really kind of feels like everybody's just kind of doing their own. This is how season six B gets started, or this is how the the doctor gets recruited into the Time Lords, and I kind of feel like I'm having to do mental gymnastics to make everything sort of work. Because it's like every story we've done so far, and, and one of the stories we've done so far has been a Terrence Dick story, is where we're establishing at least three different ways that the Time Lords are recruiting the, the second Doctor in order to work for them for the CIA. So it, I appreciate that everybody wants their take on it but i kind of want everybody to be on the same page and say okay <laughs> this is the definitive this is how we got started and then we go from there and and tell season six b stories beyond that we don't have to keep restarting how now to be fair this is the this would be the first well not this particular this book was but, 2005 yeah but, but this, this was right? actually the book this and players 
were the was Terrence Dick's first acknowledgement of saying, "Hey, you know what? I like this fan theory that's out there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play into that." And based on that is what made the Doctor Who website perk up and say, "Okay, we're going to make this quasi official as well," because they had that one you know particular page on there that explored that as well. So this is really Terrence Dick's starting the 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 ball rolling so we have to give him credit for i think his should have been the definitive in um not that it doesn't make the big finish story second doctor adventures work because i think that again you can do some mental gymnastics and finagling and use terrence dick's short story that he wrote that you know um does the the mind wipe kind of thing where the doctor kind of resets and doesn't realize what's going on. I think you could, you know, if you really got down to the minutia of it, you could kind of, you know, jump through some hoops and make it work. But I just really kind of, I want to get away from them telling us that how <laughs> he started now because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting kind of, it's getting a little convoluted. Let's just get on with it. <laughs> Well, that's the brilliance of that short story that we reviewed last time is that it gives us a fresh slate anytime we have one contradicting story yeah, of how true. it starts or anything else. It's just a, oh, okay, from the doctor's perspective, it's a it's a brand new time. It's a brand new time. It's a brand new time. So it doesn't, now that we've had that short story, none of that bothers me anymore. Mm, yeah. I, um, just to touch on the players a little bit, the book that uh, this was the, the players was actually the first book that Terrence wrote that uh, connected right. say season six B. It it precedes it and six, it's six Doctor and, and Perry story, and and it it's uh it's the first players in general. Yes, that's where they first appear. Yes, that's where they make their first appearance. Now I think that leads to some inconsistency with the count Countess. Um, player although at the end of players they kind of gave the implication that they don't necessarily they've been doing this for so long and the game sort of resets itself that they don't necessarily even remember some of the last you know uh, games that they played so i kind of think that was that was that's a pass to give you okay well that's why the Countess is a bit inconsistent here because now we're technically going back and telling the second Doctor story because Sean, the um, when the the Doctor goes off to check out um, if uh, his friends had been returned to the right timelines, and he goes mm-hmm. away and they do the little setup with Serena in the office that you know she's going to um, kind of be his you know carer and watch for him, watch over him, and make sure he does everything right, doesn't you know get out of hand. While they're doing that, you know, he's gone, obviously, and then they realize he's in front of a firing squad before they take him out of there at the last second. Well, about three store, three chapters of the, of the player's book deals with what happened at that time. Leading <laughs> so, all up to that. Right. Oh, so okay. that was kind of a fun uh, look back. And we were just talking about how they're going to use the, the mind visualizer for uh, the Evil of the Daleks book. He actually uses the mind visualizer in order to show Perry this story that happened during his second incarnation. So it, that's actually utilized again as well. So that's and what's in, what's what's kind of interesting is it's I, I haven't finished Endgame. So there's there's three stories that feature the players. Yeah, and I haven't even started Endgame. And Sean, it looks like according to Goodreads, you have read Endgame about seven or eight years ago, according to, oh. <laughs> yeah, according to Goodreads, you've read it. Um, That's what fifth. It's an eight, you. it's an eighth doctor story set during the cold war. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, oh. what's kind of... uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met her yet, but I understand the countess even shows up in it. Mm-hmm. I will have to put the jumper cables on my brain and, and, and look into that because I sure if it says I did it, I, I must have logged it. <laughs> <laughs> but what's kind of interesting as far as like the player context goes, it seems there there's several references within I think pl- the players and world game about their ability to time travel also. Mm-hmm. So it almost comes across, of course, not having finished end game. It almost comes across like they did this stuff with Churchill, failed, 
did this stuff in the Cold War failed, so they tried to go back further. Uh, okay. For Napoleon, and then failed and gave up. So that makes sense, <laughs> and that actually works better along the lines of how this is told. Because the I think the other thing that, and and this doesn't work for this. Now that I think about it, but the other thing that bothered me was that I felt both books, World Game and Doctor Who, gave the impression that they were traveling through time. But then, in this particular book, World Game, they're deciding that they want to capture the Doctor's TARDIS in order to utilize that because they almost, there's something is said that makes you think that they don't necessarily have the time travel ability that they want to have. And so it almost feels like they're going to take his TARDIS in order to do that. And I thought, okay, well, wait a minute. How are they already traveling through time? And they need the ability to travel through time. That seemed a little inconsistent to me as well. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, I remember that also. So it's just inconsistencies within his own writing, really, more than Yeah, that. probably, <laughs> yeah. And, and not knowing how Endgame ends. I mean, because the way... The way world game ends it's kind of like a, okay doctor you beat us we give up mm-hmm. we're going home and they've been doing this for how long and really i don't buy that right right <laughs> it seems like they need to be defeated more thoroughly or or something more concrete than just okay we give up you win <laughs> Which is what the how the book ends, which is kind of a disappointing ending, <laughs> honestly. Is right. uh, well, okay, we we defeated them in this situation, and it does give that feeling of okay, there's going to con- be a continuation of events with these players trying to interfere and play their game, right? But now, having read players and mostly through end game, it doesn't seem like he really followed through on that. Mm. Okay. Well, apparently I gave it uh, three stars, but did not leave a review. <laughs> I'm assuming it was one of the times where we did all our own book reviews. I think there was. Mm-hmm. Was there one time where we? You're right. Where where one of us was gone, and Sean and I, or I must have been you, Glenn, because, or I guess I could have been gone. Yeah. And because I know there was one point I did a. Eighth Doctor story, Eighth Doctor book. I don't know if that was at the same time. I, I the, the description here is absolutely no help. The Doctor has amnesia. Oh, mm. it's very much a spy again. A spy game. <laughs> I, I want to say that I, I do remember this, but I, I I don't know that I can see a whole lot of parallels for how that particular story fit in with the players. Maybe I'm well, wrong. And so it. far in Endgame, it's been very player light, which has made it a little bit of a slog. So just heads up, Glenn. It's, it's a fine spy Cold War story so far, but the Doctor's not the Doctor because he has amnesia. Mm. A little too violent, a lot sometimes in my taste, and there's hardly there's one player so far popping up occasionally and not very often. It's too bad and that no... it's too bad that Terrence Dix couldn't write the Eighth Doctor very well because that was uh, the one the uh, the Eight Doctors, the one that kicks off the Eighth Doctor Adventures, has always been kind of panned by fans that mm-hmm. it's not very good. I enjoyed it, I loved it, I I, I read it and loved it, but um, he he certainly. Uh, doesn't get the Eighth Doctor right in in some occasions, and maybe because they were the first ones doing it. Obviously, those were the first uh, Eighth Doctor stories that were out there. That was pre Big Finish. That was you know right yeah. after Virgin New Adventures. So maybe he was just finding his footing. Well, and even I mean I can kind of excuse what he's doing because the Doctor has amnesia yet again, but. Yeah. As far as as far as end game goes, it's not quite as grabbing of a story because there's no, tr- there are some historical characters, but there's no one real persona that it's circling around mm. like it did with Churchill and it did with Napoleon. Okay. Does the Doctor still have two hearts? He does. Okay. <laughs> I think at one time I haven't really mentioned it. At one time in that. Era. And the only reason we know that is because it's brought up in one of the books that we reviewed 
um, he's without one heart for a while. <laughs> they did make reference that he tried to, that he, when he's in the hospital, that they had some very confusing results mm. and just kind of overlooked it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, back to this one, I thought it was, it was an enjoyable read. I think that uh, that's what I like about Terrence Dick so far is he, I think he, th- yes, maybe there are a lot of things happening here, but I think you, to its benefit for me that I don't get bored with what's happening because something happens there's a climax, it's resolved, and then we move on to the next thing. And I sort of liked the idea of them jumping around and having to go be one step ahead of the Countess in most instances so that they could, you know, thwart any interference that was happening. And I, what I really liked, and I didn't expect to, because when they set the character up, you're not supposed to really kind of like her because you think she's going to be this staunch you know, um, by the book, sort of how, you know, early days Romana, um, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they're always calling out the doctor and reeling him in, but Serena really doesn't. She kind of, that character I think is built upon and to a point where you have a lot of sympathy for her. And then when she ends up in front of the bullet to save the Duke, it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Or not Duke. Uh, I'm getting my books crossed. Oh yeah, the Duke of Wellington. No, that was a Duke. Yeah. Um, and so when she, and when she ends up taking the bullet, I'm like, no. <laughs> we were, we were, well, I was I was really liking this character. Why did you take her away from me? I would have liked to have seen this go on. Maybe he could have you know traveled with her for a little while, and they could have had a few adventures. But now she's gone, and I'm so upset. And, you know, so so I, I think he really develops that character, and 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 the and the doctor and her relationship are, are uh, uh, told really well as well. Yeah, I agree. I really came to like her. I agree as well. It's something that I did not expect to. Um, in fact, I'll be honest. I was dreading her a little bit when she was first introduced because it's like, oh, you you've got a new Romana. Oh, she's going to be that Romana. Okay. Um, but as it went, I, I, I liked the fact that she, d- despite herself, was open-minded enough to see things that, you know, the doctor constantly surprised her. And then from the doctor's point of view, she constantly surprised him. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it turned into a really delightful little pairing. And then it was snatched away from us. <laughs> tragically <laughs> and you, heroically though so see, uh, what year was this again keith did you say this came out 2005 so the new series obviously was brief was already back for a little bit because he makes reference to the psychic paper in this as well the yeah. invitation is done on psychic paper and i think Terrence must have said, hmm, I like that idea from the series. Let's <laughs> let's put that in here. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And they don't they don't do much, they don't draw much attention to it. it. They say what it is. No, they don't even say psychic paper, but they say what it will do. And you kind of take it from there. And then he kind of, after it's used, he kind of tucks it away and, th- you know, in, oh, this might come in handy again sometime. And then that's all they do with it. So I thought that was kind of clever. Makes you wonder why he never remembered it and pulled it out. Yeah, right. Well, then I kind of wondered if maybe at some point the CIA was going to take it back from him. Uh, maybe he got lost in the TARDIS. Maybe he he that jacket that he had. That was the other thing about this and players that I will say is that the Doctor is out of costume, yeah, out of typical costume frequently. Terrence Dix is not afraid to put the TARDIS away and and set it aside. He uses it a little bit more in world game because we have to bounce around more, but he's not afraid to put it aside and put the doctor and companion of the, of the book in, you know, a townhouse or a hotel or anywhere that, you know, Mm -hmm. to taking up residency, um, for, for a short period of time. And so I kind of like that because when you're dealing with a television series and you have only so many episodes, you don't really consider where is the doctor staying at this time? You know, 
there if if time passes for any length of time the doctor has gone back to the tardis in in some instances in the tv show in the book where you've got a lot more of a long form to tell and you've got so many more days to have the doctor placed somewhere that makes sense as to where you know why he, he's got to stay here for a while well where do you put him you put him in a you know hotel or you put him in so that was really kind of refreshing to go okay that's something we don't get a lot of times from other media and so i like that he's not afraid to do that here and what's also clever is he sets up in players or in he, he retroactively sets up the bank account that he pulls from in players in this story. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was a really nice mm-hmm. thing that he thought of to kind of kind of tie it back to mm-hmm. the original novel that spawned it all. Right. I forgot about that. I thoroughly liked it. This is a book that if I come pick up or if I, if I find somewhere I would, I would definitely pick it up because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and would probably go back and reread it again. I have to wonder how much of a resemblance, although they do make, they do make mention that, you know, he's, if you got up close to him, you would obviously tell the difference, but I wonder how much the the second doctor actually does resemble Napoleon. (laughs) A short little dark haired guy. Yeah. (laughs) They do certainly have that in common, I guess. With the hat on, I mean, come on. Yeah, the hat, the uniform, I suppose, and it's it's a dead ringer. (laughs) Yep, yep. Well, now we have to wonder if if, uh, perhaps Salamander. 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 If he perhaps is in some way a distant relation to Napoleon. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) I like it. I do, too. I do, too. There's a little headcanon for you. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. Let's uh, talk about the schedule. What do we got coming up, Sean? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we return to uh, the 60th anniversary tie-in stories with Time Slip and Star Beast, the uh, next uh, Doctor Who weekly comics uh, uh, from that era, and then uh, the comic strip adaptation, Doctor Who and the Star Beast from Big Finish. So we'll be doing another compare and contrast on those. Then we get uh, Once in Future, The Artist at the End of the Universe, uh, continuing on with that big finish story, uh, along with the next four comics in the ongoing 14th Doctor Comic Strip from Doctor Who Magazine and Liberation of the Daleks. So that'll be parts five through eight. And then some more 60th anniversary tie-in stuff with Doomsday. We're going to do the first... uh, First hour of the aforementioned Doomsday, uh, which was uh, the social media on the Doctor Who website. And then um, hours two through five, which are in uh, Doctor Who magazine. I believe it's 592, if you're following along at home. And then we will return to 6B. So lots of uh, good stuff coming up. That's right. So keep it here. Keep it close. And, of course, uh, you can find us at TravelingTheVortex.com. That's our website. There you can find a link to our Patreon page and consider supporting us. Um, When you become a patron of the podcast, you unlock specials by us. We've got some more goodies coming up. There is a, I think the most recent thing is the um, uh, Great Traveling Vortex quiz show number five is on there now. Or quiz number five is on there. And then Sean's got some uh, more Star Trek coming around the corner 
the most recent thing we did was we reviewed um, Problem Child 2, which was our um, <laughs> losing the um, pod versus pod uh, Oscar contest against uh, the ladies. So actually we didn't lose, we tied. But that was the movie of their choice for us to review. And so we've got that up on our Patreon. And you get that exclusively uh, before other listeners do. So you can hear what we thought of that terrible movie. Not so terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, if you could just yes, give if you could just give us at least a dollar a month, that helps uh, very much. And if, if everybody gave one dollar, um, we could do so much more with podcast and keep it going for a long time. So every little bit helps. We love that. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast and make sure you join in the conversations on our listening forum on Facebook. And you can follow us um, at Travel Vortex on Twitter. Give us a shout out there if you'd like. Anything else before we uh, close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.